0: Love Talk Radio
1: Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered word of God with the anointing of his spirit.
2: With subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny.
1: Hi, my name is Adam Grigsby and welcome to Fire Talk Radio. Tonight we have an incredibly exciting show about our finances. God, we have Deborah Lacewell, my host, my co-host with me, God, in the name of Jesus, God. And tonight we're going to be talking about the subject of sowing and reaping and operating in God's economy. Deborah, go ahead and tell us about our special guest tonight.
2: We are delighted to let you know that Pastor John Hawkins is going to be our guest tonight. We are so thrilled to have him and honored He's a wonderful man of God. He's one of our pastors at the river at Tampa Bay Church. Him and his wife, Pastor Nidra, are, are the guests. Well he is the guest and and um but they're our pastors. And um we're really, really, really excited about it, aren't we, Adam? We are.
1: Um, It's not often that you get to encounter such uh, great men of God. We're truly blessed in the uh, way we have. Pastor John has really touched thousands of lives for Jesus and continues to do so. And he's one of the most on fire and uh, scripturally solid people that I know. So we're very excited to have him ministering on this subject. Um, Regarding the subject of sowing and reaping, it's probably along with speaking in tongues, it's probably one of the most misunderstood and argued against concepts in the Bible. Uh, unfortunately, due to like men that have perverted this concept... Uh, Now people have just fully backed away, and now we've got Christians that just operate in the world system rather than in God's economy. But this world's economy is designed to fail. And if in the days to come Christians don't learn to operate in God's economy, they will fail with it. So we must learn to operate in God's economy, which is simply the subject of sowing and reaping. I'm going to give a very basic scripture here on the subject of sowing and reaping, and that scripture is... As soon as it comes up, it is going to be Genesis eight twenty two, which says, "While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease." So, according to the Bible, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest, and that's not just for talk, talking about planting flowers. That's talking about everything relating to everything in the kingdom of God is about planting. You know what? You know, in our finances, in our lives, and how we love others. Everything is about planting, and we reap what we sow, the Bible says. And uh, it's so important. You know, in my own life, I can say that before I learned to operate in God's economy, um, you know, I worked at a place making like $6.15 an hour. Um, And really, honestly, it had no job skills to speak of and really didn't know how I was ever going to come out of that. And uh, God began, I remember going to a store one day and I had $2 and I bought this uh, CD of Confessions of Scripture and, and I, when I put those uh, scriptures in, and I begin to speak those scriptures all my life over God's economy, you know, the Spirit of God fell on me, and God began to show me that he had a different economy for me. He had a level of prosperity he wanted me to flow in. Now, I want to say this. As much as God wants us blessed, and it's okay to have nice things, the main purpose of having prosperity is to fund the gospel. We can't take anything with us but souls. And in the book of Exodus, when they, they, they took the spoils, From Egypt, and this is Exodus 26. You see that they begin to make the tabernacle. What did they make the tabernacle with? They made it from the spoils that they took from Egypt before they left Egypt. They went into the Promised Land. So the wealth that they took from the world, that they got from the world by favor of God, they took that wealth and they they, and they used it to create tabernacles. In today's today's age, people are the tabernacles of God, and we're to use the we're to use the wealth of this world to fund the kingdom and bring people into the kingdom in the name of Jesus. You know, I don't have the script right in front of you, but the Bible says to make friends friends for yourself with the unrighteous mammon, that they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. What is that? It's using the funds of this world to bring people into the kingdom, that those people may welcome you into heaven on that day. Amen? Does everybody have anything to say about that?
2: Yes, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it is important. I mean, you know, talking about seed time and harvest is, as long as the earth remains, and so much for global warming, right? I mean, there's always yeah. going to be a, a seed time and harvest, summer and winter, and uh, I think it's it's just important to 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 do like to to give to God because giving is an act of worship, and it's an it's an act of of love. I mean, God gave um, God gave the biggest gift that he could ever give, which was Jesus for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So I I think that, um, that's the biggest gift that anybody could ever give. And then for him to die for our sins as well, and to take our sins and our disease and everything upon himself and then rise again from the dead and just, you know, that conquer death and Satan and everything. And, but buy it all back from us with his blood and suffering and torture and it's it amazes me and he did give his best that's that's definitely his best and and that's really god in the flesh he may have been jesus because his, his trinity the three in one the father son holy ghost but but really it was god in the flesh it was the word made flesh and he dwelt among us and that really is giving giving the best that that you could ever give
1: and, you know, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, and God never tells us to do anything that he doesn't do himself. And the Bible says it pleased the Father to do this. So God pleased, it was pleased to God to give us his best while we yet sinners that Christ died for us. And so we, as children of God, out of gratitude, uh, we should have a heart that wants to give back to him, That lay our lives. The Bible says that we laid on our lives as a sacrifice, and it is our reasonable service. Amen. And, um, you know, for the first thing I need to say is that, Uh, really, is that regarding giving, is that there's there's not only is there a giving, but there's another subject called tithing that is of great controversy in the church. Let me say this, you know, if the Bible says to tithe, it means to tithe. And if there's nothing in the Bible that indicates not to tithe, then it hasn't passed away. Malachi 3.10 says... You know, it, it says to bring all the tithe into the storehouse. There's no indication that it's a type and symbol of anything. In fact, you can't say it's the law because Abraham tithed before the law. If you if you if you go back into the book of Genesis, it shows Abraham tithing to Melchizedek, which is a type of Christ. So Abraham tithed before the law, and that means you can't say tithings under the law. And you know, in the, and plus in the gospels, Jesus told the Pharisees he rebuked them. He says, "You tithe off your mint and cumin." but you neglect the weightier of the matters of the law, you should have done the, letter, the, lesser without, the latter without neglecting the former. Did Jesus tell them, why are you tithing? It's the law. No. He told them to keep doing it, but he says not to neglect the other things as well. So tithe, there's no indication at all from Scripture that tithing has passed away. And I want to emphasize this, and people might say, well, Adam, you know, tithing, is, we, I, we should just be joyful givers. We should be joyful givers. But let me say Tithing is not giving. Tithing is God saying, here's here's your income. I want you to take ten percent of that. All hundred percent mines anyway is mine anyway. I want you to take ten percent of that automatically right off the top and put that into my kingdom, that there I might mean, be meet in my house, says the Lord. And then the rest of the ninety percent, it's going to be because really if you're if He's Lord, you have all hundred percent is His. It's you have free will offerings and then anything else that the Spirit of God prompts you to do. And if God does tell you to give, it's for the purpose of the kingdom and also that you might reap, reap a harvest. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9.10, He that supplies seed for the sower and bread for food shall supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So God's purpose of you sowing into the kingdom is to multiply the fruits of your righteousness. It's for you. You know, we give back to God of our own hand. But the whole idea that tithing isn't for today is very sad. And, you know, and preachers that don't have any biblical basis for preaching that, and they don't uh, really, is, and they're doing a very d- big disservice because they're actually turn- t- teaching a bunch of Christians that they can rob God. And so tithing is for today. If you're not tithing, then your giving is not blessed. And uh, the Bible says you're under a curse. And, again, there's nothing, you know, no one can show me anything in the Bible that indicates that that's changed. You know, and uh, so, first of all, I mean, I remember when I first got saved, I knew right off the cuff, I mean without anybody really teaching me that that I was supposed to give ten percent of my income, I knew it by the Holy Ghost, and I just started giving, and it was funny i was still i was still i mean God gradually began to work things out in my life. I was still smoking pot, and I was tithing you <laughs> know when I first got saved, but God indicated me from the get go that ten percent of my income needed to go to him so before i before i even before, before I even quit smoking weed, I was still tithing absolutely amazing to me, you know um so and my point is that it's important, it's vital, and it's a key to operating in God's economy. And if we don't learn to operate in God's economy, when this world economy crashes, as it is designed to, we will crash with it. So tonight's whole show is about helping Christians operate in God's economy.
2: Right. You know, I was just thinking about some things that you had had talked about there, Adam. It sprung up a lot of a lot of things in me. God only asks us to give ten percent of. Our income, or our increase, all our increase—it's that increase is giving you ten apples, give him one, or if it's a dollar, give him ten cents, whatever that increase is. But you know, the IRS asks you to give a lot more Amen. than what God asks you, and it, and God doesn't ask us to give according to the income we make, you know, like the IRS does. He only asks ten percent. And uh, he could have asked us give 50 percent or 70 or 60 or 20 even, and even waitresses and places get more than 10 percent. They get like 15 or 20 if you're a big tipper or 25. And so, really, when you think about it, it's it's not really a lot to ask. And for the for the preachers and teachers that are telling people that tithing is much for today and that you know, um they don't have to do it. They're they're really robbing the people of being increased of, of being blessed in and increased in their life and in their finances and just in their lives altogether. And um, you know, not only does it rob God but of I I feel like it robs God of blessing us. Mm-hmm. And um you know, I I didn't. You you were talking about like you always, you know, God kind of always told you what what the tide was, and so you did it even though you were smoking pot. You still were faithful with your tides. I didn't always I didn't always know what the tide was. So um, one day I was actually I was actually in the hospital for some reason. I was watching Christian TV, and. They were talking about the tide and uh, I think it was a nurse came in and she'd been talking to me anyway about um she'd been talking to me anyway about uh uh God and stuff and so I asked her, I said, Is the tide real? Or, you know, is it just a preacher trying to make money? Um And I thank God for her boldness and her not being afraid to tell the truth because she told me the truth and that the tithe is real. And I looked it up, and so I I started doing it. And I did it for quite some time. At that time, I didn't have a home church, so I just, um, you know, I I gave it to where I I added up 10% of my income, and I gave it to different places, like different charities or whatever I, I felt you know, needed it. I didn't I didn't realize it was for I didn't realize it was for the church and um but, but anyway I didn't go to one at a time. So anyway, so I I became a faithful tither and then um sometimes I was I was um uh having some finances dip, uh financial difficulties and so I'm like, Well wow, if I tithe I'm I'm gonna either be under or I'm not gonna have enough for a certain thing or bill or whatever so I backed up the tithing for about three months or so, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, "I didn't reveal to you what the tide was for you to to not do it for you to stop doing it and so um you know that's i i I think it's uh I think there's just some important keys and 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 I realized from that, oh, and another thing I was just thinking of was there was this story like about i don't know i i may not be able to say the story verbatim, but you'll kind of get an idea it was these people that i don't know if they were farmers or or what happened, but they were all having uh they were having financial problems, and there was this man uh they trusted and and he said well i um I think I know how I can get us all, all, all back in, in, in doing what we need to do. And then so they gave him the finances for about three months, and everybody was prospering. They came back for a meeting, and they said, "What's going on? I don't understand what happened." He says, "Well, I just took 10% off of, off of your, off of your check, or your 10% off your income every, every." Uh, every time it was time to be taken in and that's how everybody prospered and the whole town was fine. And then after that, everybody started, everybody started to, uh, everybody started to, um, uh, tie after that. So that was pretty, pretty wild. I mean, you know, my thing is I understand not everybody is familiar with the ties or they're not, they're not sure. But my thing is maybe to challenge you to try it for three months and to see how what you have left over is really, is it, it's going to be pretty, it, it's going to be what what you have left over is it's going to multiply and you're going to have, you're going it, it, to be like, I, I tied this and it's not going to add up on paper basically is, is what it's not going to do. And so just, just to try just to, just to try it and see what happens, and you'll be really, really surprised.
1: You know, another scripture that really shows that tithing is for today is uh, Deuteronomy 14.23. And I want you to just, before you say, well, that's Old Testament, Adam, I want you to just hear it out. It says, And thou shalt eat before Jehovah thy God in the place where he shall choose, to cause his name to dwell there, the tithe of thy grain, the tithe of thy new wine, thine oil, and thy firstlings of thy herd and thy flock, that thou mayst learn to fear Jehovah always. So basically what God's saying is the purpose of giving the tithe is that it teaches you to fear him. So if the tithe, because you're always, no matter what, you're saying, God, no matter what's going on with my finances, with my treasure, I'm putting you first. And it teaches you to fear God. So right there, that should abolish in anybody's mind that the tithe isn't for today. Because if God instituted a system of finance that would teach you to fear him, and the Bible says without the fear of the Lord, we don't even have the beginning of knowledge. If, that, if they taught people to fear God then, why would God take away something from us that teaches us to fear us now if, the, if, everything were, if our to revolve around our, fear, our, our holy fear and reverence of God? the tithe teaches us to fear God by giving him our treasure and putting him first in our finances, no matter what, you know, because the problem with a lot of the teaching is that with what that doesn't teach on the tithe, they're like, well, you know, if you don't have enough, then God doesn't expect that. And just, uh, but when you do just give abundantly, you know, and God's going to bless that. No, because they're basically, when they don't have that much, they're not putting God first. And that's, and they're basically saying, I'm going to give God when I have, but the Bible says the man that waits for the, the, the rain, that waits for the right season, he never sows. So there's never going to be a good time necessarily to sow. And like, you know, I remember when my pastor said, you know, he said, uh, you know, God, I don't have anything. And God says, well, you'll never have if you don't start giving. I mean, that's a paraphrase, but that's basically what he said. So if we don't tithe and then on top, we don't give, then we're ne- you know, we're never going to come out of um, this, out of this world system. Um, I remember when I first started um this is a real a suggestion for people. A very practical way you can start is um and I do agree that we should go beyond the ten percent. I I believe that uh I started off with giving five percent and I told God that I promised that I was gonna give five percent beyond my tithe and uh and then as he increased me that I was gonna increase it until I came to the place where I was giving uh the ninety and living off the ten. And that's, you know, a goal and that's a really and uh and that's because like I so said, we can't take anything else with us. You know, and I've been through seasons like Paul says, been through seasons of abundance and seasons of not so abundance. You know, but the good news is that my finances are blessed, and God takes care of me because I trust in His kingdom, not in the kingdom of the world. Amen. And uh, so. Here pretty quick we're going to have uh, Pastor John calling in. Um, in the meantime, uh, we really just want to recommend today if you to be dedicate your finances to God. The Bible says, "Where your treasure is, your heart will be also." If you are not a giver and a tither, then basically uh, whatever your mouth says it proves that your heart's not really with Him. You know, um, you know when David when David sacrificed unto the Lord, David didn't just dance and sing praise songs. To him. David offered of of his substance. You know, and so. We can sing all the great songs, but you know it's where we're, it's when we give not only to God but to others around us that really shows where our heart is and If you realize that you have a problem with maybe being selfish and maybe a problem with greed, then the key is to operate in the opposite spirit and begin to give. Now, with some of the teaching Pastor John is going to come forward with, a lot of people might go, well, you know, you're one of those word of faith preachers, and uh, all those guys are a bunch of corrupt preachers, and they live in million-dollar mansions, and they milk the people, and all this kind of stuff. Well, first, let me say I would rather be word of faith than word of doubt. Let me say that, first off. Second, it doesn't really matter what any preacher does. What matters is what the Word of God says, and that we come to the Word of God like children. You know, my, my, uh, one of my pastors had a, um, a man that he knew, that didn't believe in this and uh, they were friends and the guy challenged my pastor to a debate on this subject. My pastor sat down with his Bible. The guy came in and didn't bring a Bible and the guy, and uh, the guy starts mentioning these corrupt preachers, these word of faith preachers that he wasn't so fond of. My pastor looked at it and said, who, who, this is, where this is a Bible discussion. Get your Bible out. And he went from Genesis through the Psalms and began to give him every scripture for sowing and reaping and prosperity and finance in the kingdom until he got to the Psalms. And then the guy finally went, okay, okay, okay. If that's what the Bible says, I'll believe it. And so I, my, my challenge is, Pastor John, speaking tonight is do not read the Bible with a filter on, a filter of prejudice based on uh, what other preachers have done. You know, just because a preacher has perverted something doesn't mean that the Bible's not, that the scripture's still not true. There's a balance to everything, and there's there is a perversion, but there's also the real. You know, they've they've distorted the character of Jesus, but you don't stop believing in Jesus. They've distorted everything else, but you don't stop believing in that. So really, I want to encourage you that. You need to step out in your finances. We can only take souls with us. And when you stand before God, he's going to hold us all accountable for what we did with our money as well as everything else. Many, many Christians don't really believe that there is a judgment seat for the believer because Jesus is their Savior. I assure you that that is absolutely not true. When we stand before him, the Bible says that we will all give an account of the deeds done while in the body. And uh, you know, and the Bible says all things are hidden. I mean, it's a no things are hidden from the eyes of him with which we have to do. Amen? So when we stand before him, all this is going to be brought into account. And again, your money is direct representative of your heart. Because if you go to that story in the book of Exodus, what's so amazing is, is that the, everyone gave to the building of the tabernacle, but I promise you some didn't. But, how, but, how, but those people still gave. How do we know they still gave? Because there was a day came when Moses was up on the mountain, and they made a golden calf guess who, the people guess what the people that didn't give to building God's tabernacle they gave to building a, they came they gave to building another god so here's the deal everybody gives everybody gives to a certain god so you may not believe in giving and tithing into the kingdom because you don't want to give to some rich preacher but guess what you give to something and you're giving to t- and those things and the things that you're giving to dedicates who your god is ouch amen and we can all look at our lives right now and say okay what am i really where am I really sowing my finances into? Am I sowing it more into this, more into that? Uh, you know, where can I, where can I sow? And I'm not saying you have to give 100% into the kingdom. I'm saying you need to tithe. You need to have, you know, maybe a percentage beyond your tithe that you choose to give. And beyond that, listen to the Lord and ask and develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit and ask God what we, he would have you give. Um, I promise you that uh, he's probably going to have you more give more than you probably would. But that's what determines whether or not he's really Lord of your finances. Deborah?
2: Well, I think also, you're talking about, like, the heart, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, tithing is also our reasonable service. If we're tithing, we're not giving, we're just giving our reasonable service, and what is due God. So, um, you know, with that, and then, so...
1: Okay, and you know, and I'm going to go through one more scripture here before Pastor John comes on. And this is uh this is 2 Corinthians 8, and I'm going to challenge some religious thinking with this this chapter because with the with what I'm going to read, people will think, well, see, that that means spiritual riches. But let's take it in context, shall we? This is this is going to be 2 Corinthians 8, and uh let's go there with me. We're going to start with verse one. Moreover, brethren, we make known to we make known to you the grace of God which hath been given in the churches of Macedonia, how that in much proof of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality, for according to their power I bear witness, yea, and beyond their power they gave of their own accord, beseeching us with much entreaty, in the regard of this grace, and the fellowship and the ministering of the saints, and this not as we had hoped. But first they gave their own selves to the Lord, and through us, the will, through the will of God. Insomuch much that we exhorted Titus, that as he made a beginning before, so would also complete you in this grace also. As you abound in everything, in faith and utterance, in knowledge and in all earnestness, and you love to see that you abound in this grace also, I speak not way of commandment, but as proving your, through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love. Deborah, what do you have to say about that? Um, and so Pastor John's going to be coming on any minute now, and we're going to go ahead and get ready for him to come on. And, you know, I want to say in my own life, God has prospered me greatly um, since I've been giving into the kingdom. And I've gone from working a, a minimum wage job to being in sales And, uh, and you know, I mean, I remember when I first – okay, and uh, I've been working in sales, and uh, God has prospered me greatly. You know, in every sales job I've worked, I was always one of the top people, even in times when things were difficult. And – And even when things were difficult and, uh, you know, God's always prospering Mm. and blessed me, even in the job, I'm I'm probably in a very, I'm in a very, what's considered a very difficult job now, but I'm a tither and a giver, and as a result, God takes care of me, amen? Um, I meet my goals, and God provides for me. And so I just want to encourage everybody. You were telling
2: me about what happened the other day. Mm -hmm. Remember the testimony you shared or not?
1: Yeah, um, real quick, yeah, what happened was, is that... um, I didn't want to stay at the job I was at because it was so difficult, Um, and God God told me to stay, and God spoke to me through one of my pastors that uh, I was to speak uh, the word of the word of God over my, my situation, regardless of what's going on and believe supernaturally meet the goals, even though the difficult season we're in. And sure enough, just about every week I've met that goal, even though it looked like I never would. And uh, God has blessed me greatly there and given me favor there, regardless of the situation. And you, you know, even in weeks where it didn't look like, and what's crazy is one week I didn't meet the goal and I was, what's going on. And our Pat and my boss still gave me my commission anyway.
3: Yeah. So, well.
1: so, you know, you're, I'm going, God, what's going on? Um, and he, but he took care of me regardless. And I mean, I'm still, i going to God, what's going on, why? And I'm meeting the goal, but I still got my commission anyway. Yeah. So one way or another, God took care of me. That's awesome.
2: I'm going let people know um, what, uh, what the phone number is. It's 646-668-2093. That's 646-668-2093. And we look forward to having you call them. We may not um answer the calls right away, but we we know you're here and we'll be glad to have you um so we'd love to have you come on come on in
1: amen so we're just waiting on uh, Pastor John to call in and uh, <clears throat> to be in, he'll be on shortly, and it's really going to bless you. Um, while we're waiting on Pastor John to call in, because he'll be here just in a few minutes, uh, we would just want to go ahead and encourage you to go to revival.com. Once again, revival.com is the River at Tampa Bay Church, and uh, it's full of all kinds of soul-winning materials and things to bless your life. We have uh, all of our services on demand, and uh, the power. If you're thirsty for a move of God in your life, we would encourage you to go on there, tap in, and let God bless you. Um, our pastor actually speaks on this. Subject uh, frequently, and I would encourage everyone to go there and listen to those subjects. If you're if you have a struggle in this area and really get what the Word of God has to say in this, because again, I just want to exhort everybody that uh, we are entering into a time soon when this uh, kingdom that is designed to fail. Uh, is going to fail if we don't have a great awakening in america and uh, times are going to get very hard we don't really know what's coming uh many people don't know what's coming to america but i assure you this current financial system will cannot sustain itself the way it's going and um if we don't and we don't learn to operate in god's economy then uh we will fail with the rest of the world's economy so and that's not where the christians are supposed to be the bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just i'm going to go ahead and give uh, that scripture reference um, the Bible says, it's that's Proverbs 13, says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Uh, every time in the Bible... That there was um, an economic failure, there was a transfer of funds into the, the children of the kingdom. Egypt is an example of that. Great plagues were coming upon Egypt, yet in the end, God gave them favor with the Egyptians, and they walked out with all of Egypt's silver and gold for the purpose of building the tabernacle. So in, the, so in these last days, for those that are givers, so for those that are tithers, they will, they will, the, the wealth of this world and this upheaval will be transferred into the hands of the faithful, that they may distribute it to the hands of the lost. Um,
2: you know, I was thinking in Proverbs three nine through ten, it says, "Honor the Lord with your possessions and with your first fruits, uh, with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine." So that's that's one that kind of sticks out to me as well. That if we need to honor God. And it's some place in Malachi where they're talking about, you know, where God's talking about, don't bring me your, your, your sick and lame animals, because they were bringing in the lame animals and and deformed, blind creatures and offering it to God, but they were keeping the gift for themselves. And
3: yeah,
2: and so we don't bring what what's left over to God. We bring what is we bring the first to God. And even, I mean, the first murder in the Bible was over an offering Mm
3: -hmm.
2: because uh, Cain and Abel Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Cain uh, brought his a period of time and then he got upset because God didn't honor it. And uh, then he got jealous of his brother and then he killed him. And so, you know, it's it's just, I mean, it's, it's really offering to the Lord and, and freely giving to Him, freely giving to Him, really giving to Him what, is, what is, is His.
1: All right, we have Pastor John calling in right now. We're going to go ahead and take that call. I'm in.
2: Pastor John, how are you doing? Hey,
0: how are you guys hey. doing?
2: Great. How are you? I'm so happy to have you here today.
1: All Pastor John, welcome to the Fire Talk live. Radio. Uh, so, Pastor John, we've been talking about tithes and offerings, seed time and harvest. What we'd like you to do for ourselves and for everybody listening tonight is to give your testimony about how the Lord brought you um, out of where you were at, brought you into the kingdom, and then taught you how to operate not in the world's economy that you were operating in, but in his economy.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, again, thank you guys. You know, Adam, love you, man. Love you guys. Uh, Ms. Diamond Absolutely. and every all of you guys are... I you know, really appreciate you guys um and uh thank you for having me on here to talk uh with God's children and also all those who may be listening and tonight um first and foremost, I just you know start off by saying um i thank god uh because with him all things are possible, and uh if it had not been for him i would I would not be here um you know about ten years ago in two thousand and three. Um, I was in a very uh, interesting place in my life where I was trying to discover myself. Um, had uh, At that point, I was about maybe 23 years old, I believe. Um, you know, it was a lot that brought me uh, at, to the place that I was in at the age of 23, um, having growing up in the projects, uh, mother addicted to drugs, father uh, was selling drugs growing up. At a time where you know, in the inner city um where you know just in my society, my environment, it wasn't too many people prospering, and you know there was no entrepreneurs um education system was at a all time low um it was just it was like living in a a community or a town or a village that was that literally didn't know or was aware of the resources in order to have a successful uh, environment. Therefore, you know, everyone was just trying to do their best to survive. Um, I mean, my dad, you know, he, he went to school, went to high school, college, and things like I mean, I mean, um, high school, but the schooling was not something that people during his generation felt like they needed because of the environment in which they grew up in. Uh, They needed to have skills for survival and um, how to make fast money. So the type of education that was being provided at that time wasn't a necessity for people growing up in his generation. Therefore, the drugs came into our communities, and, you know, it was like all of the young men during that time was chasing one bone um, and really end up killing each other and, and, and things like that for something that they really couldn't obtain. And then you know my my father met my mother, gave birth to me um, I was born in nineteen eighty um at an all time high drugs uh cartels um you know it was one year where three hundred and something high school students were murdered with drug related crimes um it was considered a murder capital of the world during that time when i when I grew up in um in washington d c and you know by the time I became a teenager. Pretty much all of the, 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 the men or elders uh, during that time were either, A, locked up, uh, dead, or um, just addicted to drugs. And so the next generation was my generation had to pretty much grow up against discovering things on their own, uh, making multiple mistakes. Some, some young people growing up without a father making three mistakes, and that three mistakes end up being three strikes would cause them to be in jail for the rest of their lives before they even was an adult, and so growing up in the midst of all of this, you don't, you know, I, you know, poverty was a normal thing, uh, lack was normal, that was the the the, the rule of the day, and um, you know, when I graduated from high school, had a football scholarship, uh, that's pr- pretty much one of the ways that normally people make it out of the project, either football uh, or some some sort of sports or something like that. And uh, so I had a ticket to get out of the, 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 the community by through football, and I played football, but my heart wasn't in it. Um, I had the athletic ability. I had the talent, but I just didn't have the desire for it. And so I went to college. I dropped out of college, came back home, and I was in school in upstate New York, uh, came back home after I dropped out of school, came back to Washington, D.C., and that's when I had a rude awakening. Um, that's when the reality dawned on me that I was over the last 18 years I've been growing up in the project community uh I had no understanding of history of what took place 60 years ago with the civil rights movement I had no understanding of America and the, the civil wars and the different things that took place in America I had no uh understanding for history or for education or knowledge or anything like that and then all of a sudden um, around this time in my life, you know, between the age of 18 and 23, uh, things begin to dawn on me that uh, uh, I'm growing up in a, in a city, I'm growing up in a nation that I don't have any understanding of. There's a lot of history that has taken place that I'm totally unaware of. And I was just at a pivotal pivotal moment in my life where it was like a crossroads. Um, I didn't really have too much education because throughout my schooling, it was all based on my athletic ability, so I was able to pass I threw a lot of things, and uh, you know, I began to sell drugs to put food on my table to eat, uh, to to have a meal at night, to put clothes on my back. Not saying it was right, but that was my reason. at that particular time, and when I began to to sell these drugs and, and live that life, it was fun. Had a lot of fun, but it was it was tarnishing something on the inside of me. There was a corrosion that began to take place in my soul, slowly but surely, and then. One day, you know, the Bible says that sin is pleasure before a season, but the end is destruction. And and after a while, that corrosion began to catch up with me, and I began to feel nasty about myself, began to feel bad about myself and the things that I was doing and the way it was going, the way things were happening, and I wanted to change. But I didn't know how to change. There wasn't Christians coming into my community. Uh, nobody was telling me about Jesus. I mean, it was one time I can remember coming out of the club and somebody was the only Christian that would really told me about Jesus, she, that person was actually standing outside a club just praying in the spirit, which I had no clue of and didn't understand what in the world was going on. But I knew that um, it had something to do with God, and I just kept on uh, moving. Um, and other Christians would come like Jehovah's Witness, but we just had a defense with Jehovah's Witness that when they come, we just act like we're not home. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much how, how, how things was going. And so... Um, you know, I came to a, I came to a crossroads. I came, you know. One time, a person asked me a question. He said, "Well, when does God begin and when do we end?" Well, the answer is right there in the question. When we begin. Uh, well, God begins when we end. And right. uh, I came to an end. I came to an end of my life where I was like, you know, I'm done trying to figure this out. I'm done trying to make this happen. I'm done trying to do my own way. There has to be something better than this, and I couldn't figure it out. And then one day. I couldn't figure it out but God had it already figured out. And uh he had it figured out when he gave Jesus 2000 years ago and uh to ransom me from my sins. And uh at that moment while I was standing there in this drug house, the Lord came and visited me right there in that drug house, totally set me free, uh changed my life, took a thousand pound weight off of me and uh I I just began to follow him. And uh, walk with him by the Spirit. I didn't even know Jesus. Even when he came and visited me, I know it may sound strange to a lot of people, but I didn't even know Jesus personally. I mean, think about this. I did not know him. How can I know Jesus overnight? How can I get to know him in one second? You know, he came and I had an encounter with him, but I still didn't know him. And you know, I keep my. I didn't get I, the Lord didn't visit me in the church. So it's one thing if he visits you in the church and somebody started telling you about him, about him. He came and visited me in the drug house where there was nobody to tell me about him. And the way he led me, see, the Bible says that, you know, the spirit of truth will lead you and guide you to all truth. So the Holy Spirit is what the, the one who led me to Christ. He physically led me, drew me. When, when the Lord came in that drug house, the Holy Ghost came over me, and then the Holy Ghost led me to Jesus. What do I mean by that? He, the Holy Ghost led me to people who were Christians. The people that he led me to gave me a Bible. The Bible they gave me, I started reading the words in red, and those words in red were all about Jesus. So the Holy Ghost actually led me to Jesus, and when the Holy Ghost led me to Jesus, Jesus led me to the Father because everything that Jesus was saying, he was talking about the Father. And so that's how I got to know the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And uh, then I now and I come to realize that they all won, and so I had fellowship with the with the Godhead. And throughout the years, uh the Godhead has been ministering to me, talking to me, teaching me. You know, the Bible says God, God takes the poor and raises them amongst princes, and that's exactly what he has done and is doing in my life. I mean, I was a poor young man, but now he's raising me up amongst princes, and uh, he's teaching me kingdom principles by which they're developing into characters, characteristics in my life, and he's teaching me about uh, sowing and reaping, Uh, forgiveness, love, faith, uh, the power of the Holy Ghost. And one thing in particular that Adam was talking about tonight, which is sowing and reaping. And so, you know, that's one of the aspects that God began to teach me as he brought me out of the the poverty community and and things like that. matter of fact, two years after I was saved, I was saved in 2003, two years after I was saved, I began to seek the Lord uh, in my apartment and, I mean, the Bible says when you seek God with your whole heart, you will find him, uh, you know, they who hung out the you know, righteousness shall be filled. And I begin to search after God, you know, the king can seal a thing, but it's up to us to search it out. And so I begin to search God out, and I begin to seek him with all my heart. And as I was seeking him, suddenly he came and visited me in bodily form uh, in my living room. And one of the things he told me in reference to what we're talking about, he said, I set my spirit to set free from poverty. And bondage, and I didn't fully understand what he was talking about, and also another thing he told me, said, use your gift to glorify my kingdom, along with many other things, but I just want to uh, highlight those for based on what we're talking about. So now you're looking at a young man that he brought out of the projects, brought out of poverty, placed me, translated me into the kingdom of his dear son, and when I say kingdom, I'm talking about the king's dominion, the king's domain. The king, God is king, he's king of all kings, so, and he has a, domain, a dominion, he has a rulership, he has a reign. So Jesus, he, Jesus was the bridge that allowed me to cross from Egypt, from the world, to enter into the kingdom of God, which is the ways of God, the sphere of God, uh, the, the way of life that God is calling humanity out to live by. Uh, humanity is living like animals, but God is calling us to live like sons of him. That's why He made us in His likeness, in His nature, so that we can produce His characteristics, His fruits in our life. Uh, so He called me, and now He caused me to live like a king on the earth. Uh, and so, when you walk like a king, when you walk with the king, you begin to walk like the king. And while I'm walking with Him, He began to teach me kingdom principles like sowing and reaping. And I begin to realize that one thing about the kingdom of God is is, is It's opposite of the kingdom of the world. In the world, people take, but in the kingdom, we give. Everything is pretty much opposite. You know what I mean? In the world, people lie. In the kingdom of God, we tell the truth. Um, And so everything is opposite. And so just through over the years, God has been teaching me about these principles called sowing and reaping. And, uh, you know, I grabbed a hold of them. I just took God at his word, just like the centurion servant. You know, he said, at thy word. I just took him at thy word. First, seek the kingdom of God, and all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Another scripture talks about, you know, how, you know, it is your father good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But before he said that, what did he say prior to that? Don't worry about what you should eat, what you should drink, what you should wear. Then later on, he said, it's your father good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So all of that stuff is in the kingdom. And, um, you know, the Lord just, you know, another scripture says, the young lions may lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Or another translation says, no good thing shall be withheld from them. And and so, and there's so many scriptures that goes on. You know, he owns, you know, a cattle on a thousand hills, and, and he shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So, I mean, there's a variety of scriptures that goes on and on throughout the Bible. Uh, look at Isaac you know it was a time of famine he sowed seed and in that self same year he received a hundredfold you know he is the bible says he waxed strong he waxed great uh he moved forward and uh he had he multiplied in herds and cattle and, and servants and and so the bible makes it very clear both in the natural and in the spirit a farmer cannot receive the harvest unless he sowed seed and it's the same principle in the natural, and and that's what the Lord, the things the Lord has been teaching me. And so as a result of that, I've literally been living by faith, literally. I mean, there's times that I've lived with no job, no money in the bank. I didn't say I didn't work. I didn't have a job, but I did work. I, I, I obeyed God everywhere. He told me to go, win, sold, served, nine to five, like a regular job. But I served Jesus. I was serving Jesus, and I was I had an apartment, beautiful apartment, suburb, community, Seven hundred or something dollars, supernaturally supplied every single month. My wife wanted to go to Disney World. We'll pop up the next day. Somebody have two tickets to go to Disney World. I mean, you name it. Clothes, suits, five thousand dollar suits, dress shoes. I mean, I really don't have to pay for too much of my clothes. My, I got a Range Rover. Paid in for, uh, you know, twenty some thousand dollar vehicle that I paid not one single dime for. The Lord is just, he just basically he's giving me a house you know what I mean, a house that's paid in for that I'm about to go get and uh, that I'm getting packed up now on the greater to receive my house. And, and all of this stuff can be found in the Bible. I mean, it's, it's, it's kingdom economics. I mean, Jesus simply told us that whatsoever you desire when you pray, whatsoever, soever means to any extent, any kind. That's whatsoever means, any extent, any kind, whatsoever you desire. Desire means your wish. What do you wish? What do you will? You know, whatever you desire, believe you receive it and you would have it. The Bible says if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you will to be done for you. Another translator said you remain in me. And then another place he says in the Bible about the hundredfold, he said, you know, there's no, he says, talks about, you know, when Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, we, low, we left everything to follow you. You know what I mean? We left everything. Now, some Christians might can't say that, but I can say that. I left everything to follow Jesus. And then Jesus answered Peter and said, listen, there is no one, another translation said, no man. There is no man <clears> that has ever left houses, lands, fields, mothers, brothers, sisters, so forth and so on, for my name's sake and the gospel. Another translation say for the names, my name's sake and the good news that will not receive houses, lands, children, mothers, you know, and so forth and so on. And then it says, now in this time, the Bible says, now in this time, and also in the in age to come, or, or everlasting, or another translation says, age during, in the afterlife. So God makes it very clear. And, and one thing that I'm realizing is that people have a tough time, just like all throughout history, is taking God at His word. And I thank God that He's brought me to a place to take Him at His word, to apply the <laughs> principles of sowing and reaping, and reap a harvest that is abounding. I mean that it's multiplying. It's almost like the the harvest that I'm retaining is like it, 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 it's almost like it's um it's residual. It doesn't stop. It's like it just it it, go, it went off into orbit or something, and it just, or it went off into cyberspace. Numbers just never end. It's like you just you sow a seed and stuff is always coming back. You know you always you can never outgive God, and He always returned greater than what you've given. And so I am thankful to God for making available to me through Jesus Christ the blessing of Abraham and giving us the example of Abraham, the father of faith, who did not stagger, did not waver. But the Bible says he gave glory to God, believing that God was able to perform it. And, you know, the Bible says he considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb, nor his own body. And he was about 100 years old. And so, you know, I'm just looking to the men of faith, looking to them as an example, seeing how they sow seed, you know, Abraham tied to Melchizedek, who was a type and shadow of Jesus, a uh, high priest forever, passed the same traditions on to his son, Isaac, who sowed seed in the land in the time of famine, received a hundredfold. And, you know, Jacob carried it on, and and, and, and many other the uh, patriarchs that went on after them carried this, these principles on. And, and remember, according to Hebrews, I believe it was chapter 7, that, you know, this is not... A uh, principle that was under the law. Actually, if you read Hebrews chapter 7, you will notice that what Abraham did was when he sowed that seed to Melchizedek by faith, because Abraham was a man of faith and it was counting him as righteousness, that all of the tribes of Israel was in his loins at the time when he sowed that seed, that tenth of everything that he had. So therefore, actually, the law was actually in him while he was sowing by faith. So a lot of you say that that was under the law, but actually it's the other way around you know that was that's under faith, and, uh, and that's why we we do it even to this day. so I just encourage many of you that are listening out there don't hold back because you know in Malachi three uh, verse eight and also through ten, he talks about God says, "Prove me now, prove me now, how have you robbed me? How have you stolen from me? How have you you know taken from me my tithes and offerings and I remember back in the days when when, when when I was a baby Christian, I used to give my tithes and offer to old elderly people, but that was because I was reading the King John version and not the King James. I was doing my own thing. <laughs> I was reading my own Bible. And uh, so as, as I'm growing up in the spirit, as Paul talks about, is developing your senses, being able to discern and understand, you know, spiritual things. I'm spiritually discerned and discerning the Bible as God intended, reading it in context and not reading it in daily bread form. Because you miss so much of the word when you read in daily bread form. You know what I mean? God didn't write the Bible in daily bread. You know, he wrote the the Bible uh, through some, through letters and uh, through uh, history and and so forth. And we need to read it in context and not take it out of context. And it will help your mind get in context with God. And so it's just, you know, it's been a journey. It's been a a prosperous journey. Uh, I am blessed. God has told me don't believe the God of this generation but believe the God of the Bible because this generation is a very religious generation. They they put caps on what believers should have or shouldn't have. Uh, they say that we are people of the cloth and they have their own definition of what that entails, but yet they don't even read the Bible to find out what the Bible says about a man of God, how he should live, and they put these caps on us as if they have the authority to do so. And many Christians fall victim to it because they, too, don't read their Bibles. But I thank God that he's graced me to delve into the word of God and search the scriptures for myself and rightly divide the word. And, um, and, and it truly has it's blessed me because it's causing me to live like a victor. It's causing me to have the faith of God or the God kind of faith. And it's causing me to see things the way God sees things and not the way man sees things, looking out of the eyes of God. And, you know, God is not living in some hut in Haiti, but God lives in a kingdom in in heaven where his throne is, and the earth is his footstool. And uh, everything that God does is beautiful. When you look at Solomon, he made Solomon, and he gave Solomon all that splendor and glory when Solomon didn't even ask for it. But yet he gave it to him, and Solomon was the most wealthiest man walked the face of the earth. And then also God created the lilies of the field. Look at the lilies of the field. Look how beautiful and array they were. And and, and the, the the lilies the lilies can't sew, they can't knit, they can't design their own clothes. So God made them beautiful. God made the flowers beautiful and he also made Solomon beautiful. So what am I saying? When God places his hand upon you, inevitably because God is beautiful, everything he touched becomes beautiful. Everything he touched becomes blessed and prosperous and increased. And so you you know, and that's the blessing of Abraham. And I come, uh, you know, from the line of Abraham, and so the okay. same blessing that was on him is on me. Okay. Uh, and and God is increasing us, so I'm grateful for, it and I'm enjoying every bit of it.
1: Yeah, Amen. Well, Pastor John, I mean, obviously, feel free to talk as uh, long as you feel to on anything you want to. The floor is completely yours. Uh, we just want to thank you again for coming. Uh, we're very very excited that you're on. Do you have anything else to you want to? Do you have anything else you want to say tonight?
0: Uh, I mean, the, the the one of the greatest things that I would just say to any and everybody listening, especially Christians, is that God is speaking to us in, right now in this time. You know, not about what's you know, not necessarily about what's what's coming. I mean, He is saying that as well. But one of the greatest things I know that He is saying in this moment is that He wants His people to believe again. You know, to believe again, and 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 when you believe again, uh, when it comes to sowing and reaping, forgiveness and. The power of the Holy Ghost and finances, according to the scriptures, a lot of this stuff won't be hard because you'll be able to accept the Bible, the full counsel of the Word of God as a child. you know what I mean, and you'll be able to take God at his word and I believe god is mm-hmm. god is um is speaking to all of us as His children to believe again, to take him at his word uh to to adhere to his word, to cleave to his word. Because that is our source, that's our answer, that's our hope, that's our everything. Is the Word of God, and and I believe that there's a lot of Christians that are out here who, are, I mean, I mean, I think I believe there's more than not like Christians that are depressed, stressed, uh, faithless, walking through life beaten up, feel like God is not listening to them, like God doesn't hear him, like they have to make some type of penance uh, for for their sins. And they're just walking through life ignorantly. And, and God said in his word that my people perish for lack of knowledge. And, and, and what, I'm, what I'm seeing is that Jesus is saying, listen, is that everybody, he's forgiven. He's even forgiven the sinners. The sinners are not even forgiven. They don't know that they're forgiven, and they have to receive the inheritance to receive the reward of their forgiveness. But he's forgiven everyone. And the problem is people know how to pray, but they don't know how to receive. And God is wanting people to receive this belief in him, this faith in him, this total uh, moving forward in him and, and understanding that he's for us and not against us, that he's not spending these last days fighting against us, but actually he's spending these last days uh, calling us to rise up into the God kind of faith. And when you do that, life will change. Life will change. And I encourage many people to go and to develop your faith. Some of us may have a little faith which means you have insufficient knowledge pertaining to the thing you're believing for. And some people may have weak faith, which they simply just not exercising their faith. You know, they believe in miracles, but when was the last time you prayed for somebody to get healed? You know, you're not exercising your faith. And I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage many of you that are out there listening. Begin to exercise your faith. Begin to believe again. Step, step out on God. You know, expect the, the impossible so you can do the, the uh, unbelievable. And um, God is for you He's not against you I mean, if, if you had sin, if you want to sin in your life Get up, ask God for forgiveness Confess your faults And he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness You know what I mean? So God is not, he's not pouncing over your head You know, you, you just got to say Alright, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready now, Lord and, and the righteous man falls seven times But you get back up again You know, righteous, you know Your steps are ordered by God You know, all things work together for the good And he knows the plans that he has for you which is to prosper you, you know, to bring you to an expected end. So God is with you. He's for you. I just want to encourage all of my brothers and sisters in Christ out there that are listening that God loves you. He's with you. I mean, God just wants to be glorified through you, and uh, he's not looking at your faults. He's looking at your prosperity. You know, he's not looking at your shortcomings. He's looking at your destiny. You know, when the Bible says as far as, you know, uh, east is from the West as far as your sins from he means that. He puts your your sins into a sea of forgiveness. He means that God is not a liar. See what many times people don't realize is that actually the liar is the Satan in, in his in his cohorts. Which what they do is they they, they come as angels of light. Now, now what is their function when they come as angels of light? To imitate the voice of God or well, try at least and and to uh you know, tell people things that are not true but they try to tell them in a way as if it's God saying to people, and the problem is the believers don't know the voice of God like they should. They, they, you know, or they struggle with the voice of God, rather, and and they, they battle between is this God or who is this, and then, then they just walk in defeat. But what I'm trying to tell you is many, we have to put the TVs up, put your TVs up, put the cell phones up, and, and, and bring it back to, like, the people of old where God was their entertainment. You know, you got to bring it back where God is your entertainment. Prayer is your entertainment. The Word of God is your entertainment, because you're going to need that in this time more than ever before.
1: Amen. Um, I love what Pastor John was talking about with um, meaning the Word of God. You know, our foundation. Uh, the Bible, Jesus talks about the Pharisees that would shut up the kingdom of heaven in men's faces through their religious, their the religious tradition, and uh, in, that applies in a lot of areas. But in this area, especially, uh, there's a lot of people out there that have taught against these principles that are right there in the Bible, and now when the Word of God is taught in this area, people can't receive it because they've been taught by, from Dr. So-and-so that these things aren't for today or these things aren't true or these things don't mean what they say. And I just want to say this. You know, it's a good quote. I always say, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Doubt comes by listening to a lot of religious junk from Dr. So-and-so. You might want to put away all your teachers that you're listening to and just repent and come to God and say, God, I'm just going to open your Bible, And I humble myself before you like a child, and I'm just going to begin to read the Word of God like it's the first time I read it. And I'm asking you to reveal what your Word says to me. Not what man says the Word says to me, but what your Word says to me. You know, um, the Bible says that he became poor that we might become rich. And if you read that in context, it's actually talking about finances. Now, that might blow a lot of people's minds, but it is. It's what it says. It's not talking about spiritual riches. It's talking about physical finance. Why? Because Bill Gates ain't funding the gospel. The Christians have to fund the gospel. And if we don't get blessed, then the gospel won't be funded, amen. So, uh Pastor John, if you have anything else you want to say?
0: Yeah, and like you absolutely I agree with you hundred percent. And what we have to start walking into as a body of Christ is understanding that it's already done. Okay, for example, I let right, let's let's first 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 and foremost, let's look at the number one example of all Christians. And this is what it boils down to. See, one thing is I realize is that sometimes people have what they want. Some people don't want to know Jesus as he really is because that means they have to give up some things that they don't want to give up. So, and Jesus knows that. He knows that. So, you know, yeah, that's just a reality. But for those who do want to follow Jesus, let's look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was not a poor man. He was a, he's the most wealthiest man in the universe. But you understand, Jesus don't look at money like we look at money in this world. Majority of people growing up in America, let's just stick with America, grew up to see money as a God. Jesus don't see money as a God. He sees it as a resource. Okay, money ain't no different than water. Money is no different than, than, than a vehicle or anything else. It's something that you utilize to for means, okay, so Jesus had unlimited supply in everything, unlimited supply in everything he don't look in terms at life in terms of lack or or things like that. Everything he has it's all created for his purpose, and he can he can never run shortage on anything, okay. So the reason why people are so distorted when it comes to money is because they have always had to go about money, for the most part, most people, in a very poverty, devilish way to obtain it, whether it was stealing. You know, sometimes you go, you know, when you're a kid, you go to a candy store, you don't got no money to get no candy. A lot of kids, they steal it, okay? Um, when people, when, when there's a the money shortage growing up in a family, people sell drugs to get money. People sell, whether it's in the white community or black community, People who sell drugs in every community, you know what I mean, and and so forth and so on. I mean, the list goes on. So it's really just when you look at movies, money is always surrounded by a a drug deal or or something like that, you know, or, or people that manipulate or, you know, so money, the concept of money has been distorted. But when you are born again, God begins to change your mind on things, and money no longer becomes an object of worship, but it just becomes a tool as a means to get a job done. No different than a screwdriver. I don't worship money. You know what I mean? I utilize money as a tool. I don't worship money. I worship God. And as I worship God, I got, I, you know, God has given me his favor. So favor spend greater than, than money anyway. So I live off of favor, not off of money. Favor brings about, favor causes money to come after me versus me going after money. And, and that's how I know this thing is real because I don't chase money. Money chase me. You know, yeah. I can go
2: <laughs>
0: man, I, I walk places and people give me money i don't ask nobody for no money you know so okay Then look at the life of jesus okay jesus now people think jesus was poor okay they misinterpret the word poor in the bible that's talking about humble lowly you know and and jesus wasn't poor because how can a poor man feed four thousand or five thousand or three thousand people Take me to a homeless man that has ever fed 5,000 people. You won't find him. okay? And then, not on top of that, anytime Jesus needed money or when, when, when Jesus needed money, he was able to speak and the, and the money would show up in the fish's mouth, not only for himself, but also for others. He received money. He received money not only for himself, but he, he had money for you know, for, for others as well He was, he was displaying an unlimited supply He don't even think of money like we think of money You know people in America grow up worshipping money That's why he said you can't worship God and Mammon. You know because people grow up worshipping money God, Why does God have to worship money When he owns everything He doesn't have to worship money So me as a kingdom citizen I don't have to worship money either Because my father owns everything And everything that's his belongs to me Okay So when you look at Jesus, when, when you look at his life, when he needed a house fully furnished, it was there for him. He had a house fully furnished, okay? When he needed transportation, he needed a donkey. They didn't have Range Rovers and, and, and Camarys back in those days. You know, they had, they, had, they had donkeys and horses and all that type of stuff. So, but when he needed transportation, his transportation was dead, okay? So Jesus covered every aspect of life. There was nothing that he ran short in. Okay, when you look at his life, there was no lack. He had no lack. He can call food from out of midair. He can just call food into existence. You know what I mean? So, I mean, this was God, the creator, the life source, walking in human form, showing us how the God kind, not man, you know, mankind that has been converted into God kind, can live, how we can be, how we can move and operate. So you can't look at one aspect, you can't look at no aspect of Jesus' life and, and see where He liked. Now, let's look at when it came to sowing and reaping. Jesus was actually standing there watching when they was coming and bringing their offers up to the, to the place and considering what people were doing. Now, watch how powerful this is. Jesus was God in the flesh. He only did what he saw his father do, and he only said what he heard his father say. Everything Jesus was doing in the natural was a representation of what God does in the spirit. So Jesus, when you saw him stand at the offering plate, God watches over the offering plate. He considers when we sow and he reap because he's looking for faith so he can reward those who diligently seek him in everything that we do. So these principles are God-given. and let me help you understand another thing about the devil. The devil imitates and he tries to distort and the bible says that the devil is the god of this world he's the he's the god of this cosmos this system this this the, the way the world it, it, it flows you know or let's say the, the god of the masses the, you know controlling of the people and different things like the, the mindsets of the people and so what he does is see in the world we have this concept that the majority rules so but really if one person is with God, they become the majority. But in the natural, people think that if the masses is with it, then so. But the thing is, the devil is with the masses. And so what the devil has done is distorted the minds of the masses when it comes to giving, when it comes to money. And so because it appears to be there's more people that are out there in the world than there are than they're with the Christians then they seem to have more influence on television and things like that. So they are constantly pumping the airwaves on their concept and their mentality when it comes to money. And the problem is because Christians are not reading their Bible and spending time with a person relationship with Jesus, they begin to adopt those concepts subconsciously, psychologically, and they begin to live them out without even fully knowing what they're doing. And they have this mental assent, this mental faith without a practical faith and therefore you see a whole world where you can't even distinguish Christians from sinners. But, but, but that's changing. That has changed with me, and that's changed with many other believers that are in this generation that is not bowing the knee to this society that's saying, like David, that, you know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to find the God of Israel, you know? And, and, and what I mean by that, there are Christians today that are standing up, believing in the God of the Bible, taking him at his word, just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and many other people that have that walked in the scriptures, and we said if God did it for them, then he can do it for us. So, you know, God, is, he's not changed. He's the same today, yesterday, forevermore. And people got to grab a hold of it for themselves. You know, uh, I, I'm not, and I, I tell people all the time, this is not a time where we confessing, you know, out of some mystical faith. Because you say heard somebody say, confess, confess, confess. No, we confess because we are professing what we believe, what we know to be true. We are healed. By his stripes, we were healed. That's why I confess I'm healed because he, I am healed. I, he, I, I received healing before I even came out of my mother's womb. He healed me 2,000 years ago at the cross, you know, at the cross of Calvary. So I'm only appropriating what he already done. So I'm already professing what he already done. I'm just having the faith of God. How am I having the faith of God? Because I'm saying the same thing that God says. That's having the faith of God. When God says, you were about my stripes, you were healed, I'm just saying what he said. I'm having his faith. When he said, light be, and it was, you know what I mean? It's the same thing we do now. We say what he says. We echo what he says. That's having the faith of God. And so we as people got to have childlike faith, simply meaning coming back to God like little children, stop being religious eggheads like we know it all because we can quote a scripture, we can teach a couple Bible verses, and now all of a sudden we all philosophers now and super, super Califascist uh, theologians, you know, but we need to come back like little children. How do we do that? Humble yourself, you know, come back to the feet of God. Get in your room, turn your room into a, 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 a throne room with you seeking God diligently, hungering and thirsting out the righteousness like when you first came into the kingdom of God and you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus was your everything and you loved him, you loved him, you loved him, you loved him, you loved him and everywhere you went you talk about it, you couldn't help it. Everywhere you went he was spilling out of your mouth because you were so full of him, so full of the overflow of him. And, and so we gotta come back to that. We gotta get away from trying to Everybody trying to, you know, you know, just all about what you think, you know. But coming back to who knows everything, which is Jesus Christ, and He's waiting, you know. I often think every time I talk about Jesus, and I often see Him on the cross with His arms stretched out on the cross, His left arm and His right arm, and I always envision that when I think about people, because I believe that, that I believe somehow I don't know, and I don't know how, why I'm always thinking this. But I believe there's a significance behind his arms being stretched open like that. It's to make a symbol and a statement to humanity that I'm always here to receive you. I'm always here to welcome you. No matter how far you go, if you've got a breath in your lungs and you make a decision to call on me, I'm always there to receive you and to welcome you. And I'm just encouraging everybody to come back to Jesus, you know, not because I'm saying it, because you know you need him, because you know you love him, because you know there's nothing else better than him in this entire world. And you know when you come back to him, he's going to be there to comfort you, to love you, to welcome you, to teach you. And really, that's what we need. You know, most of us, most people, I think Martha and Mary represent two types of people, uh, represents the one who's always working, never spending time with Jesus, and Mary represents the one who's spending time with Jesus and also does the work. And we've got to stop being so distracted. Human beings can be so distracted and veer off and get caught up with this and that, but never come and sit at the feet of Jesus, and you miss your visitation. God is sitting over there speaking in your spirit, and you keep on ignoring him. And the whole time he's saying to you, come closer. I'm trying to give you the thing that you're asking for, but you're ignoring me. He's knocking at the door of your heart, and you won't let him in because you're overriding him coming to give you your answer with complaining about why certain things ain't happening. But we got time to change that cycle. And it's time to slow down so he can cause you to mount up his, on wings of the eagle. so you can soar high above every storm and every situation. And as you do this, these principles, listen, it's going to become simple to you. It's going to make sense to you. You're going to understand that, man, God, forgive me for t- coming against certain doctrines that I just wasn't uh, educated on. And, you know, one thing my mother always taught me is that don't destroy things that you don't understand. And once I learned that, I began to be more humble. More teachable and more receptive to to knowledge and the things that God is, is wanting to teach me, and so I encourage you all to do the same. We are all in the same boat, and we all need each other. We're the body of Christ, and we, as collectively as a family, we got to come back to the foot of Jesus, and just like John lay on his lay on his breast and hear his heartbeat, so the so the the currents of his heartbeat would would send signals into your ears and become one with your soul, your mind, and your spirit, causing this harmonious uh, vibration sound that will flow from your body, echoing up into heaven, bringing this beautiful aroma and a sense to God where there's a sweet-smelling Savior, and you're just producing fruit, and he loves your life, and when he returns, he will find faith in you on this earth.
1: Amen. Um, And, you know, we're talking about sowing and reaping. We're talking about the tithe. We're talking about giving, the principles of God's economy, And, uh, you know, if we go to, and Pastor John right now is talking about coming back to God, and that doesn't just apply in one area, that applies in every area, but right now we're talking specifically about this area, and if we actually go to Malachi chapter 3, it has a very important verse here, and what he says to them, I'm going to go to that verse right now, it says that, It says, you know, from the days of your fathers, this is verse 7 in uh, chapter 3, from the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my ordinances and have not kept them returned to me, and I will return to you, said Jehovah. But you say, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. You say, where have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you robbed me, even this whole nation. For So... One of the ways you can return to God is with your tithes and offerings. as we said before, your pocketbook really indicates you know your heart towards God. you know if you come to church, and you've seen the most beautiful songs, but your pocket's not reflecting you know that you're giving you're giving to your other gods, then you need to return to God in this area like it like just like any others and uh, so we just want to encourage with that and um, you know regarding the Word of God. You know, the Bible says to bind it to your heart. You know, the one thing I know about Pastor John is that he's a Word of God preacher. He's not – he doesn't filter the Word of God through the thoughts of uh, a certain school of thought, a certain school of thinking. He just believes the Word of God. And that's how we all have to be. We have to come to the Word of God like children and just believe what he says. Jesus said, my, my word that I've spoken will judge you on the last day. And Jesus is the one that said things like, "Given it'll be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Jesus talked about money. So when we stand before him, and I, I want to say there's a lot of people out there that you don't live by the principles of sowing and reaping. And you wonder where the provision for your ministry is. You wonder where the provision for your call is. But it's actually in the seed that he already gave to you that you ate because you don't know how to operate in his economy. You need to come into seed time and harvest. You need to start tithing and giving, because the the, the provision for your future is now in the in the in money you hold and the things that you hold in the form of seed. And as you begin to sow that into the kingdom, the Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you'll find it again. So there's provision that God has for you twenty and 10 and 20 years from now, if Jesus tarries, that's in, that's in your hand right now in the form of seed. And if you eat it, you'll block your provision. There'll be many people who stand before God, and God will say, why didn't you fulfill your call? And they'll say, but Lord, you didn't provide for me. He'll say, I did. I gave you seed, but you ate it. And therefore, there was no provision. Amen? Uh, So this is so important. It it means everything. Millions of souls depend on people getting into the finance of God's kingdom and getting out of the economy of the world and not serving their God of money, because you can't serve God in money. You can only serve God or money. Amen? Pastor John, do you have anything else you want to say?
0: yeah and you know when it when it comes to sowing seed like it doesn't become seed until you sow it, it doesn't become seed until you sow it um and i mean that that is something that really has bonded me now more than ever before is that really when you first look at it like this, okay, your money, your possessions okay it 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 when you give it to God. Finance, let's say finance, when you give it to God, it is symbolic of your trust to him and for him and, and that you need him. So the moment you take your money and you put it in the hands of the Lord or you put it in the hands, in the offering or, or what have you, how the Lord directs you, then it is converted into seed. Give me when I tell you this? It doesn't become seed until you release it. Okay, for example, when you go to another country, in order for you to buy and sell in that country, you have to convert your original country's money into that country's currency in order to buy and sell there. There has to be a conversion. If not, your money that you have from America will not register over there. It will not accept it. It will not take it. So it's the same thing with the kingdom of God. God doesn't accept it until it becomes a seed, and it only becomes a seed when you release it because your money is then converted. Once you release it, it's then converted into the kingdom of heaven in the form of seed because that's how sowing and reaping operates in the kingdom of God, in the country of God, in the city of God. It's through seed. We function with the dollar okay and and, and, and uh, other countries they function with the pound uh, or the or you know the shackle or, or different things like that. so whether it's the shackle, the pound, the only way it operates in god's kingdom or in God's country if it's released and once it's released, it's converted into seed, and then when it's converted into seed. That's when God says, I'm going to reward, okay? And that's how it it operates. So anytime you release a a currency or funds into God's hands, you're giving God, you're saying, God, this is my symbol of trust. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you in my insufficiency. I'm trusting you in what appears to be my lack. And I'm taking my little and I put it in your hands as a symbol of trust and then God converts it into seed, plants it, and then the harvest comes back to you. For example, look at the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she sold all that she had. Okay? So you see Jesus, he coming from setting the man free, uh, the, the, the the man who was naked in the chains. Uh, he hops in the the, the boat and goes across the Sea of Galilee, ends up, I believe, in Capernaum. J. Iris comes and meets him right there, talking about my daughter. Oh, my daughter, my daughter. Oh. And and uh, he, Jesus said, okay, we go see her. He goes on the way to see her. And all of a sudden, the woman in issue of blood heard about Jesus. The Bible says she spent all she had on physicians and grew worse, all she had. But then that little bit of strength she had left, she gave it to Jesus. And she said, if I touch the hem of his glove, I'll be made whole. And she used her little, her last, and that was a symbol of her trust. See, for her seed, it was a it was a sowing of the last little bit of strength she had, okay, because this was it. If she didn't get this healing now, I believe that woman would have been dead. And she took her little 10% strength she had, and she reached out for Jesus, grabbed the hem of his God. You know what that tells us? That when you sow seed, When you give your little or your much or whatever you give and give it to God as a symbol of trust, God can be on his way to somebody else's house. But because you stepped out and saved, he will stop in his tracks and turn around with you and release virtue out of himself and give you the miracle that you desire. Woo-hoo! I love it. Kingdom economics.
1: Amen. You
2: know, and, uh, I, <laughs> no,
1: it's amazing. And, uh, you know, it's, y'all got to start somewhere. Um, like I said, I started off when I was making <clears throat> eight fifty an hour, and I started giving to God and God has brought me. I mean, I've, um, I've been given like, I think three or four cars in my life. Um, you know, I was, I've been given a truck. I remember one testimony about something that God gave to me. It was like, I was believing God. I wanted a Toyota and I wanted something blue. Now keep in mind, you know, um, These things, it's not about things. You know, the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God, and then he'll add all these things unto you. It's not seek first the kingdom of God so that he'll add all these things unto you. No, it's seek first the kingdom of God, and then he'll add all these things unto you. It's when everything becomes nothing to you that he gives you everything. And that's because, why? Because he can trust you with it. It's not going to sway your heart. You know, there's some people that if they were given a million dollars, they would totally walk away from God. They shouldn't get a million dollars. But, you know, we need to ask God to purify our hearts and change our hearts and keep us free from the love of money. And the only way we get free from the love of money is by giving. You, 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 you break something by sowing in the opposite spirit, by going in the opposite spirit. You break the back of greed and poverty in your life by giving in the name of Jesus. You know, as you, as you give to others and give to the kingdom, and, you know, the others might come into the kingdom. You know, and when you, you might not even see those souls now, but you'll see them. Like I said before, that verse I was quoting, where it says that they they may welcome you into heavenly dwellings. There'll be people that'll greet you at the gates of heaven that you didn't lead them personally to Jesus, but the seed you sowed brought them there, and that they'll and they'll come and greet you. Amen. Pastor Johnny, anything you want to add to that? Yeah,
0: man, you're absolutely right, man. So, you know, one thing you saying about starting off, you know, where you are. And you know, that's absolutely right. You know, just be faithful with the little. Be faithful with the little. Start off just you know, many of you guys that are you know, that are out there just start off just by being a consistent tither. Just your ten percent. You know, which is your reasonable service. And, you know, I don't I don't ten percent because one of the reasons why I sow ten percent well because it's biblical. That's number one. Okay. And number two, because I honestly know that where my help comes from. <laughs> so to me, my 10% is a is a consistent praise to God for me acknowledging where my help comes from. Like, I know where I came from. I know that I came from nothing, and I know that everything that I have is genuinely because of God. Now, some people can't say that because you work full-time jobs, and I'm not saying you should You should work your job, you know, and a lot of times you never really – A lot of people who work all their life never really, and I'm not saying that God didn't help you get the job and all that, because I I know what it's like to work, but I know what it's like to work a job and not realize the provision of God. And I know what it's like to leave everything and to step out in faith and and to see the provision of God in abundance and and wake up to the reality that, wow, God provides my every need. Hmm. He is able. He is able, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can even ask or think. And one translation said, above what I can even pray. And, I, and I've, I've lived that scripture because even with my reigns over, I couldn't even pray for a reigns over, you know, because I didn't even think that God even wanted me to have something like that. You know, out of my religious ignorances, my people purged for lack of knowledge. Out of my ignorance of the word, I couldn't even pray for a reigns over and he did exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ask or pray. I wasn't even thinking about Range Rover. It was just a it was a desire of my heart, but I didn't talk about it. You know what I mean? I didn't go around talking about Range Rover. It was a desire of my heart. God knew it, but I was ashamed or afraid to even talk about it because my number one desire was and is and always will be is Jesus. Souls, people, that's all. You come around me, You you know what it's about. It's all about Jesus but the, but the bible says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and those rewards are spiritual and natural because a lot of the stuff that I got I didn't even know I was ready to get it. I didn't even plan for it. it wasn't even necessarily necessarily even like praying every night for old bag and dog for it. It was just something like okay I need a suit. You know we wear suits when we go to church. I wouldn't ask for a specific suit. I need a suit and somebody pulls me up and says go to a uh, men's warehouse and, and, and get, pick yourself out suits and shirts and all this type of stuff, and, and it comes with the $5,000. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm going to leave you with this. I'm gonna, listen to this. This is powerful. That's why we got to grow up spiritually because God's children are operating in ignorance. We are, we are coming to God with, with pawn mentalities sitting amongst a king. When a king looks at something that you want, he doesn't look at the price. He looks at the desire. We're so used to growing up in poverty that for years we've been trained to look at the price because you've been taught psychologically, well, you've got to have a budget, can't do this, That ain't, we don't got the money in for this. But now you've got to educate yourself because the Bible says that God is light, which means knowledge, the, the Bible says that the, the devil is, a, you know, the God of darkness. Uh, so that means, darkness means ignorance. And so you've got to educate yourself according to the word about God's provision for your life, what it means in the Bible when God provides for you. Because if you don't, you're going to live under bondage. You're going to live under ignorance when God has already provided for you every wish that you could ever desire. And you might say, well, why would God give me every wish? What if I wish to rob a bank? Well, maybe you're not a Christian, because why would Christians be rob- wishing to st- rob from a bank? Maybe you need to get saved. I don't sit around wishing to rob a bank. I sit around wishing about saving souls, seeing whole cities shaking, whole nations shaking, rebuilding the inner city communities, taking good care of my wife, being a provider for my children, having a house for my family, a vehicle transportation for my family, you know, education for my family. That's what I sit around wishing about as a Christian. Now, when I was a sinner, you know, I thought of evil things. But now as a Christian, I'm not saying evil thoughts don't come, but they're not my thoughts. They're thoughts from a harassing devil that I reject and don't accept. But my thoughts are thoughts of good report, thoughts of virtue. You know what I mean? Thoughts are lovely. And so, you know, when God looks at you, he looks at your desire, not the price. He looks at your desire. Whatsoever you desire. He didn't say how much the thing is depends on this and that. Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, all he says is believe you receive and you would have. And there we go again. It comes back to childlike faith. And when it comes to sowing and reaping, if you, if you can believe, you can receive. And then you will see that this is, just, this is culture for us. It's culture for us to be a blessing so that you can bless. It's culture for us to lend to many nations and not borrow. This is culture. This is kingdom culture. God is not poor. You know what I mean? You know, God is he's not limited. He's not lack. Nothing in God is lack. He has an abundant supply. It always reminds me of this, 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 when I think about kings and any time they, they pour out a beverage for, for one of their guests, they always cause the, the, the beverage to overflow on the outside of the cup. Every time they pour a drink inside of a cup, they always make sure that the drink overflow the the brim of the cup as a sign of overflow as a sign of abundance it's a signature of abundance and so if if these kings operate like that, which most of them operate arrogantly and haughtily, you know but God is you know these these kingdom ways, these pure kingdom ways all come from God, and the Bible says he's the king of kings and He's my father. I'm a king's kid, and you are king's kids as well. And, and you got to you got to go and grab a hold to your inheritance, because can't nobody get it for you. If your grandmother died and left you a house, I couldn't go and receive your house for you. You got to go get your house for yourself, because she left it in your name. And so Jesus left things in our names. He died, and he left us an inheritance in his name, and he left it specifically for us individually, and we individually have to go get at this, things that we get collectively as the body of Christ and these things that we get individually as a saint and a servant of Jesus Christ. And what's for you is for you. And the kingdom of heaven, suffered suffer, balance, take about force. And we got to get balance for the things of God. we got to uh, strengthen our faith. You know, people got little faith and people got weak faith. And those with little faith meaning that you have insufficient information regards to the thing you're believing for. You need to go get the book on it, go get the tapes on it, go get the DVDs on it, YouTube it all day until you get it. And then when you get sufficient information on it, then you can walk in it. And then when you walk in and you exercise it, then you become strong in faith. Then you won't stagger. You'll be fully persuaded, giving glory to God, believing that he's able. And uh, you you would obtain the very thing, you know, you, you won't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb and that was the dead of the service one was for for Abraham, but the dead of the service one for you could be that. It could be a lack of promotion, you know, and, uh, you know, he said he considered not. Didn't mean that he didn't know it was dead. He just didn't give aid to it. He wasn't bound to it, you know what I mean? Like for me, I'm not considering the fact that I grew up in the park projects and that I didn't receive an abundance of education in the natural. If you look at me, you would have thought that I went to one of the top colleges in the world, you know. You, you would have thought that I went to some leadership schools, but I didn't. You know, so I'm not considering my shortcomings. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm considering Jesus. I'm considering what he provided for me. I, I'm not necessarily saying, Jesus, come and do this or come and do that. I'm saying, Jesus, give me revelation of what you already done. You know, there's so much that Jesus has already done. We trying to get Rhema when we don't even understand logos. You know what I mean? That's so much that Jesus already said and already done. If we just go back and grab what he done two year, two thousand years ago, then there will be no shortage, there'll be no lack. I mean, Jesus talked about your houses in the Bible. He talked he covered everything. He covered everything. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, it's all covered. Then then oh my God, throw Genesis in it then you just whoa, you way over the top. You out of this world. You know, you living in you living beyond victory. So I mean, it's, it's all laid out for those who want it. You could take a, a horse to a well, but you can't make them drink. But I thank God I'm drinking from the well that never runs dry. Let me tell you this. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, He said, He said, "If only if you knew who was asking you for a drink. Only, and that's key. If you knew. So that means you can stand in front of God, be in the presence of God, and not even know." So if she would have known who he was, thank God she did end up realizing it, but his point was if we would know who he is, then he said he would give you water everlasting life. You know, that, that, what that means is no shortage in every aspect of your life. You wouldn't have to ever lack for nothing, spiritually or naturally. My profession is this. I live like, the, I live like Jesus in the spirit and live like Solomon in the natural, minus all of his mistakes. You hear what I'm saying? And, and so it, it, this is the life as, as a born again. I'm born again. The Bible says that when you say born again, born means to be an offspring, begotten of. Again means, the word literally means from above. In the Greek it means from above. So we are offspring from above. We are offsprings of God. We, we are begotten of God. And so he's trying to get us to understand how to function in the kingdom. Jesus talked about the hundredfold. You know, the hundredfold return, you know, about the houses and land. Why would Jesus say that, family, if he didn't mean it? Why would he say that if he didn't mean it? That there's no man that has left houses and land, that he won't give you houses and land. Houses, this? is plural. And lands in this age and also in the age to come. He said now in this time. It's in the Bible. Go look it up. Why would he say that? He told us about the hundredfold, but, Solomon, but, but, but uh, what's his name? Isaac showed us how to release the hundredfold. He sold a seed. He sold a seed, and then the Bible says he received a hundredfold in the same year. And then it tells you about the hundredfold that he received. So, so, so it's obvious, according to the Scriptures, that this is true. Now, Solomon, like Abraham, Isaac, these men wasn't under the law. These men were just like us. They received the gospel just like we received the gospel. Read your Bible. The gospel was preached unto them. Yeah. And they received it. and they were blessed, and they were prosperous, and they obeyed God. You know, see, a lot of times people are receiving what, I'm, what, what we're talking about as far as the sowing and reaping because they're not obeying God because actually God told Abraham to leave the land, and Abraham obeyed, and he actually told Isaac to leave, and Isaac obeyed. And God is speaking to people, and they're not obeying. So, of course, you're not going to believe the next step, which is the sowing aspect, because they ain't done the first, which is the obedience. You know, and, and, and people still living in sin, complaining, murmuring, backbiting, unforgiveness, you know, won't love, you know, and therefore how can you have faith if you don't have love? Because faith works by love. And, and and so, you know, you got to begin at the beginning, which is do the first works all over again, come back to your first love, which is humbling your heart, have, you know, letting God give you mercy, and then uh, uh, forgive people, forgive yourself, and then have faith, have the God kind of faith, have the faith of God. And then when you do that, then they're sowing and reaping, and it will become second nature for you, and you're going to prosper, and people are going to see you prosper, and they're going to come to you, and then you're going to lead them to God.
1: Well, we're talking about being the offspring of God, and uh, I wanted to cover one subject uh, uh, is that the blessing of God. What is the blessing of God? You know, if, if you're born again, and you're a tither, and you're a giver, and you're operating in obedience, according to Deuteronomy, you're blessed. Now, there is a curse for the disobedient as well, and that didn't change when Jesus died on the cross, like a lot of fake preachers are saying. But let me say it, but we're talking about the blessing of God right now, and I want anyone that's got their Bibles to turn to Genesis chapter 28, and uh, this is what it says in verse 1. It says, So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and commanded him, You shall not marry one of the women of Canaan. Arise and go to Pan- and aram to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take from there a wife of one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply until you become a group of peoples. May he give you the blessing that he gave to Abraham, you and your descendants, that you may inherit the land that he gave to Abraham in which you, became, you are a sojourner. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away. The power of the blessing of God. You know, we had a preacher that came to the church, and he was talking about the blessing of God. Let me say it first. The blessing is not getting blessed with a car Getting blessed with a computer, which we just did, I want to praise God for that. We we were blessed with a, Hallelujah. Uh, with, a Mac, with a new Mac computer that we're operating on, so the quality of the show is much better now. Yes, um, It's not
2: going to crash either.
1: Amen. Like a, yeah,
2: thank you. Father. We started with
1: tech issues, uh, but now those are eliminated. But the bless it's, but that's not the blessing. That is a product of the blessing. When 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 we become children of God. And we operate in the, kingdom, the principles of the kingdom. God's blessing is upon us. I remember when I heard this guy talk about the blessing, I, I, I told God, God I, I want the blessing on me. And then that night, uh, this kid walks up to me and hands me an envelope that somebody told him to give me. And it said on the envelope, the blessing is on you.
0: I mean, wow. got, And
1: in the envelope, there was like a gift card for a suit shop. And uh, there was a note in there that said, "Keep faith and pressure on the Word, so what causes the blessing of God to operate in my life? A lot of people they give, but they don't water their seed with faith. but God told me through that letter to keep faith and pressure on the Word. You know when you plant seeds in the ground there's a there's certain pressure from that soil, weather conditions, things of that nature that cause that seed to break open and produce life it the what causes the seed of the Word of God to manifest and break open our, and produce in our life is when we water it and with faith and pressure from the word and we stand on it. Through faith and patience, we inherit the kingdom of God. And what we do is we, we, if you want to say it this way, it's like we squeeze the word with faith until it breaks open and produces in our life and we don't give up until that thing comes up through the ground. A lot of people have a lot of blessings waiting for them, but they, they haven't held out in faith. They've been, well, this just must not be for me. You know, I remember when I was uh, believing God for a new car once, I believed for like a year and a half, But then one day I had this witness in my spirit that it was coming and literally within a month I was given, you know, a a new car and that car served me faithfully, you know, for five years and so in everything – Everything's by faith, and so if you're a, you're a tither, and you're a giver, and you're a, uh, truly serving God in the kingdom, his blessing is on you, but you need to begin to speak the word of God daily, and meditate. The Bible says meditate on his law day and night. Begin to confess and speak the word I God. Say, I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I operate in kingdom finance. I'm blessed, and, I'm, and it's given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Do men give unto my bosom? With the same measure I meet, it's measured unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. In the name of Jesus, God... Because that I because I'm a funder of the kingdom in the name of Jesus. And you speak those things. You do you have not you you have not because you ask not, and when you do ask you ask that you may spend it on your lusts. If your heart is truly for finance for the kingdom, then begin to speak the word of God. Can begin to believe those word of God. Begin to put faith and pressure on the seed that you placed in the ground, that it may break open and produce life in your life, that the blessing may manifest in your life. Millions depend on it. Amen? Pastor John, do you have anything to say to add to that?
0: Yeah, um, well, you know, like you said, I mean, you know, the blessing of God um, is the empowerment to prosper. Empowerment. God is empowering in us. And when the moment you get saved, the blessing is on you. The blessing is there. You don't have to, the, 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 the you know, fast for the blessing. It's already there. And... uh And is there to empower you, to prosper you in in all of your endeavors. But the thing is, is that we don't know that the blessing is there. And it's like a light switch. When you realize it's there, it turns on, and you can see it all around you. And it's God's hand upon your life. And uh, God is uh, equipping you to get the job done. And uh, he's made us a blessing to be a blessing. And uh, just like this show tonight, It's a blessing to me, a blessing to many other people. And he has blessed uh, Adam and Diamond to be a blessing to many people that are are listening, people that are going to listen. And and that's what it's all about. And and why did he bless them? He blessed them because they're about his business. I mean, he blessed them because of Jesus Christ, but the, 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 the fruit of that blessing is to help them to do their ministry, to do their service. Unto them to prosper them so that they Can prosper other people And those who are listening to this program Are being prospered as a result of their And uh, so you know I thank God for this opportunity and this time Being on the talk show And uh, just spending time with you guys And uh, hopefully we'll be able To you know do this another time Sometime in the future it was was awesome And uh, I pray That uh that all those that are listening have come to a greater revelation in the things of God and operating in the blessing of God so that too can prosper others as God press, prosper them. And just like Adam said, it's not about obtaining uh, a bunch of things. Uh, those things come. You know, those things come. But every real great man of God that has been prospered by God, their number one desire is to please Jesus. And we discovered in the process that things come along with the territory. And uh, our teachings is not to focus on things, but to focus on Jesus. And all these things will be added on to you. And so that's what the blessing is about. The blessing is about, you know, touching heaven and heaven touching you and things coming along with the touch. And uh, God is for us. He's not against us. Thank you, guys, for having me on the show. Um, till we talk again, I really appreciate this time. Love you guys. You guys are doing a great work, Adam and Diamond keep shining before Jesus, and let the whole world know that, that God is good. Amen. Love you guys. Thank
2: Amen. you. Thank you, Pastor John. I'm so glad you're here tonight. I'm right. so excited that you're here. Um, we have about 15 minutes. What would you say to people that are listening that need to rededicate their lives or, or ask Jesus into their heart for the first time? What would you say to them, Pastor John? We have about 15 minutes.
0: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I would just say to people is is is, is – It's important to to get genuine with God. You know, it's not about religion. It's not about a show. It's not about your name or your fame. But, you know, it's all about Jesus. At the end of the day, when we all stand in front of Jesus, when this time comes to an end and all of the smoke clears of all the things in this world, when it all clears and all you have to show for yourself is what you did on this earth, what would your life say? Would they say that I really love Jesus, I really served him, I was really for him, you know, I served him behind the scenes, I served him in in public, I served him with family, I served him amongst my friends. Or would they say I didn't serve him when I was with my friends. I served him in church, but not when I was with my friends. You know, I served him uh, when we were doing an outreach, but I didn't serve him when, you know, I was over family's house, around my cousins and, and things like that. So, you know, what matters is a genuine, pure relationship with God. The Bible says that those who have the, have the hope that Jesus will return, they purify themselves. And, you know, when you are walking in holiness, you can go before the throne of God with boldness. And that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to go before him in boldness. He wants us walking in faith. He wants us believing in him. He wants us energized with faith on this earth, his little ones, running around playing like kids, play on the playground. Just energized, but he wants us running around in the field of life, energized in faith, living for him. But you can't do that when you're living in sin. You can't do that when you're bound by pornography, you're bound by the things of this world. You, you can't fully give him your all like you desire. You can't go before the throne of grace boldly when you, when you have hidden issues in your heart. And, and God can you're tra- you, might be, you might have a flesh that nobody can see the the stain on your heart, but God you, you're transparent to God, you're like a glass builder, He sees every spot and and we got to get everything cleaned up. we got to get everything cleaned up because you never know when He's coming. you know He can come tomorrow, he can come tonight while you sleep, or you can you can die, you know either way he's going to come one way or another. And you're going to see him And no one knows the day nor the hour And the Bible says work while it's day For the night coming when no man can work Uh, So I encourage all of you all that are out there You know, turn your hearts to Jesus Realign yourself back up to the Lord He loves you, he forgives you He's with you, he's with you strong You know what I mean? God is not, he's not like your natural parents He's not holding a grudge over your head He's actually with his arms wide open Stretched out saying come, come on the time is now. I love you. You know, let's let's work through it. Work, work through these problems, and let's move forward. And so he's calling you. He's calling you tonight. He's calling you today, and he wants you to receive him so that you can move forward. And just like what we've been talking about with sowing and the reaping, when you when you when you read on further down, when he sowed that seed and received the hundredfold, the Bible says he moved forward. He moved forward, and that's not just talking about taking steps and taking steps in front of you, but that's talking about moving forward in the things of God, being pleasing to God, your life being acceptable to God, you being an instrument of worship unto God, and he received your life. And that's moving forward, where you and God are one, just like Adam was was in the cool of the day when he walked with God. And that's the type of life he wants for you, and he doesn't want anything less than that for you. So I'm going to pray with you all out there. And uh, I'm going to pray for you And I'm going to believe, God, that you're going to walk away From this place rededicated re- re- fire for Jesus and walking into a greater Destiny and revelation. Father, I thank you For every listener. I thank you for every person That is out there listening to this Talk show tonight. I pray that, Father That you would meet them exactly Where they are. Give them revelation. Give them Insight. Touch their hearts. Deliver them. Set Them free that they may go and serve You. Let them know that you are God of mercy And not a God of holding grudges And, Father, I pray that As they move forward, they will find where they belong in your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And I want you all that are listening out there to say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you right now as my Lord and my Savior, the Son of God, made flesh. I'm saved, forgiven, on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. Friend, if you pray that prayer out there, I want to tell you that tonight, as a minister of the Most High God, received, I received delegated authority by Jesus Christ, the head of the church, and I tell you tonight that all your sins are forgiving you right now. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. till we meet again, have bless a great you. kingdom life.
2: Thank you, Pastor no, John. Thank you okay. so much. It's been wonderful night. No
3: problem. My pleasure. For everyone still,
1: right. okay. still listening, for everyone still listening, we want to make a very happy announcement that we are now on the Jesus Radio Network. So now we have opportunity to be heard by thousands more people that'll be hearing this message and more messages to come. Uh, amen. So this message will eventually be heard by hundreds and even thousands to come. So thank you for Pastor John for being on. Um, we'll see this fruit even from this show even in eternity. Amen. Uh, we also want to talk about the baptism in the Holy Ghost for those that have either prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or those that um, you just rededicate life and you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, or you want to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that these signs will follow those believing believe in that they'll cast out devils, they'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll speak with new tongues. It was so important that Jesus told them to wait until they were endued with power on high. And he is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. If you want to receive that gift, I promise you it is for every believer. And um, if you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, The Bible says that if early fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, then how much more will he not give the Holy Ghost to those that ask him? So if you'd like to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, say this with me. Say, Jesus, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with power to live for you. Give me that new language of intimacy with you. Amen. And the book, the book of James says, faith without action is dead. Everything in the kingdom of heaven is by faith. It's time to take a step of faith. The book of Jude tells us what that faith, that faith action is. It says, you, beloved, build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Some people listening, you may have said, well, I've tried to pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, what probably happened is you begin to speak it out, but then your mind probably kicked in and told you, well, maybe it's really not God. That's the devil. Because the Bible says, that if earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, then he will give the Holy Ghost those to those ask him. So... When, as you begin to speak it out, you may have only gotten some syllables or maybe a few words, but as you continue to do that, then the new language of his choice begins to come through your mouth. You have to trust the Word of God. Let me just say it like this. If you've been a Christian for a long time and you believe it's for you and you haven't received it yet, I promise, God, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. So why don't you do something new? Because the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. If you, why don't you begin to step out and begin to release that language? It's probably already on the inside of you. You know, I remember once I was at a lunch table with a lady who went to a spirit-filled church that believed in these things, but she had never received it. And I says, well, it's probably already on the inside of you, but you've just never let it out. And we we prayed, and I told her to step out and begin to speak, and the power of God came over mightily at the table, and she began to pray in the Holy Ghost right there. It's just because my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So right now, when I count to three, don't pray in English. Take that step of faith. Don't pray in English. Don't pray in Spanish. Don't pray in any language. When I count to three, begin to speak out that new language. And as you do, the language of his choosing will begin to come through your lips. And the Bible says we pray in mystery, so you won't understand it. And it may sound foolish, but it uses the foolish things to confound the wise. And you can trust that because you've asked Jesus for it, that it's from him. A lot of people say, well, what about demonic tongues? Well, you didn't ask the devil for it. There are demonic tongues, but they get that from demons. But you're asking Jesus mm <laughs> So, when I count to three, just begin to speak it out. One, two, three, now. Right now, you may feel a peace on the inside. You may feel a fire on the inside of you. That is the presence of God, and that language coming forth from you, as you begin to do that, the Bible is going to become more real to you. Your spirit man is going to become more real to you. The Holy Spirit's going to become more real to you, and uh, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. As you begin to exercise that language, it'll continue to Grow on the inside of you, this is so important because Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send another, and he is the Holy Spirit. amen, uh, without relationship with the Holy Spirit, we actually have no relationship with Jesus because He's the one that connects us to the Father and the Son. We're millions of miles away right now in the in the kingdom in in the in the throne room, but we have God on the earth here with us now. Amen, Deborah do you have anything to say about that?
2: Yes, I think it's really important to to pray in the in the Holy Ghost as much as you can every day and 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 you know because we do build ourselves up and and make ourselves stronger and uh, spiritually and just praying in in the, you know in 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 the spirit as much as you can daily even if you're doing the dishes or if you're just taking a walk or just whatever it is as much as you can but it, it, it's also equally important to listen as well to learn how to listen um, to what the Holy Spirit has to tell us what he has to say, and that's also equally, equally as important, you know. So I think that's equally as important, too. Uh, so um, we do have another caller on the line. We have about five minutes. So um hello, Brenda. We were wondering to get your last-minute thoughts. We've got about five minutes <laughs> left. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, good. Great. You're on the air right now, so we're just we're gonna get your last minute thoughts about everything. If you had any thoughts or prayer requests or, I'm glad you're you here. You out.
3: <laughs> Thank you. I can honestly say you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive him, and there's just it's, You know, if you have a stingy, greedy heart, that's what you get back. You sell a smile, you get a smile. You know, give love, you receive love. Be a friend, you get friends. You know, it's everything. It's everything. It's everything. Thank you guys for what you did tonight. And Pastor John was awesome. Yay. Amen. <laughs> Can
2: you tell us a little bit about your pastor friend from Pakistan that got prayed for last one? I heard there was a testimony
3: um, yes, he's been a friend of mine for a long time and um, has encouraged me while I was in Bible school and uh, would share some of the things that they were suffering in Pakistan and that they meet a home. And um, he was writing me um, just during the program, and um, uh, they're on their way to church now. He said, thank you. Let me see if I read exactly what he said. He said, thank you, sister, for giving me very good friends. Thank you. So it's really, really good that um, Adam and uh, you, Deborah, have reached out to him also. I I understand
2: um, he was very touched last night. You were telling me something after after the show ended about how he was very touched last night.
3: Well, I thought I had lost him, yeah. I lost him during the show, and then he, um, after, you know, I wasn't talking anymore, he got on there, and he said that he could feel the presence of God, and he was crying, and God touched him powerfully, and uh, so even if things don't look like it's going right, Adam continued to pray, and God touched him, so I just, you know we think we're being a distraction or we're not doing it right, but God uses every single open door and opportunity. And um, I believe that that area needs encouragement. And um, it was just it was just wonderful how it happened. Thank you, guys.
1: Amen.
2: Thank you for letting us know about him. Thank you.
1: Praise God. And I want to talk about any other pastors. I really have a heart for pastors. Being that I have a pastoral call in my life as well. Uh, to teach the Word of God, I want to just encourage pastors out there, um, get a hold of get a hold of the Word of God. You know, get a hold. I want to encourage them to go go to Revival.com, Begin to listen to messages on Revival.com. You know, get a hold of some of the teaching on there. Um, there's so much great teaching available there that'll help you. And you can take those principles that maybe you know not of, and maybe begin to minister to those to your congregation members. Uh, I would are. You know, our goal is to strengthen the local body. That's one of our goals as Christians and especially what I feel in my life. And I want to encourage pastors out there to teach these principles of sowing and reaping, not only into your congregation, begin to live them yourself and begin to teach them to your congregation. But I know, I know testimony after testimony of churches that, begin to, that instead of saying, God, we would give what we had," they stepped out and decided to give and speak the word of God over their lives that they would have and then watched God prosper them. Over and over again, we've seen it, and uh, so those of you out there, maybe you're wondering why uh, you're not seeing more in your church and stuff like that. I want to encourage you to begin exercise these principles of sowing and reaping, and begin to speak the word of God that you're blessed and you're prosperous and you're rich and you're wealthy. Amy Simple McPherson, she built uh, she built this massive church in the middle of the Great Depression because of these principles. So it doesn't matter what your economy is, because you're, we're teaching you now to operate by Heaven's economy. So I want to encourage pastors out there, begin to operate in God's economy. Begin to operate by sowing and reaping. Begin to sow seed. Begin to, begin to give. Begin to ask God to give, prompt you where to give and how to give. it. Give to ministries that you see doing things and shaking things for the kingdom of God. And then begin to speak the word of God and be faithful with it. And as you're consistent with your seed, God, will, you'll be consistent with your harvest. And watch, watch God begin to bless you and provide for you. Amen. Uh, Deborah, do you have anything to say about that?
2: Right. I mean it's it's very important to to, to to preach it and also live it and uh share about it and and honor God with his honor God with his tithes and and, and everything like that. But we just wanna let you know we've got about less than ninety seconds and we just want a special shout-out to Pastor John. I wanted to, We wanted to just thank you from the bottom of our hearts for taking time out of your busy schedule and spending it with us. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time of just gleaning and listening to you. It's been awesome, hasn't it, Adam? It's been great. Uh, and, what a privilege to
1: have a great man with oh, God I like that with us.
2: Yes, yes, and Brenda, thank you, yeah, thank you also, Brenda, for joining and Adam, any last thoughts? We've really basically um, got no time, basically. Just everyone,
1: we just pray the fire of God on the last thing. I want everyone in, the, in their homes that's listening, raise your hands right now. We pray the fire of God on everybody that's listening right now. In the name of Jesus, <laughs> just receive it by faith right now. In the name of Jesus, the fire of God coming upon everybody that's listening. Receive it now. Let the joy of the Lord fill you right now. In the name fire, of God, God. Right Fire, God. Fire. In Jesus' name. Fire. Receive that as we go. Fire. In the name of Jesus' We thank you for listening. God bless you. Fire. With you with the fire of God, and let that fill you right now. Place your hand, if you're depressed, place your hand in your belly and begin to pop up, right up, now. Up. In the name of Jesus, and let the joy of the Lord fill fire. you right now, God. We curse any sicknesses in people's fire. bodies. God, we thank you for healing going through people's bodies right now. Fire in Jesus' name. Thank you.